I was drifting away on life's pitiless sea when the angry waves threatened my ruin to be. When away at my side there I dimly described a stately old vessel and loudly I cried, Ship Once again, we say welcome aboard. It's good to be with you at this time. Brother Mon speaking. Our program here called The Mariner's Call. What a blessing that uh, it is to us and for me personally, especially because of my age, having an opportunity to be with so many people in our vast unseen radio audience. Uh, We've been in a number of different places as far as the Bible. I want to talk about something a bit unusual at this particular time. I want to talk about the importance of just one thing. In fact, we're going to talk about five one things, but the one thing is going to be very, very important. We live in such a fast, rapid pace age that a lot of times little things slip by that are so important. In fact, to be honest with you, I found situations where one little thing could be the difference between health and sickness in the life of a person. Just one thing, one thing, one thing, maybe the difference between provision and poverty. One thing that had to do with the difference between victory and defeat. In fact, I've seen situations where one thing was the difference between heaven and hell for someone. So one thing is very, very important. Oh, thank you again for being a part of the listening audience. Our program here called The Mariner's Call. If you ever like to correspond with us or take and touch base with us, anyway, if you have access to a computer, just the keyboard, if you just punch that, just that F and an O and an M-M, F-O-M-M, and then period, and then O-R-G, that'll bring you directly to us here at Fishers of Men Ministries International, right here in the port of Bon Secours, uh, Alabama. And if we can help you, just sort of look around there. Stay away from the pictures. But uh, sort of look around. If there's something we can help you with, please feel free to correspond with us. If you'll call the station, uh, the station that you're listening to our program from, they'll give you an address whereby you can write to us. And I'll be honest with you, I like letters all as well, sometimes even more so than those emails. Sort of that letter's a little more personal, and it costs something to get it here, you know. But if we can help you, please let us know. One thing. One thing could be the difference between maybe health and sickness. One little thing. The book of Mark, Mark chapter 10. Let's see if we can go here. The book of Mark, Mark chapter 10, there's a young man that comes to our Lord, and I suppose he's a would-be follower. As far as uh, this young man is concerned, he had wealth, he had morality, he had religion. If ever there's a perfect person, it would be this guy that's mentioned there in Mark chapter 1. But in verse 21, Jesus looks in his face and he said, listen, He said, one thing you lack. Okay, let's think about that for a moment. One thing, just one thing. Now, not many things. He says, one thing you lack. He said, what you need to do. He said, I know your wealth. I know you're rich. He said, you take everything you have. He said, you sell it and give it to the poor. And he said, you come follow me. And he said, you left treasure in heaven. Now, why did the Lord say that? 
Why did Jesus, you know, put that in those words? Because Jesus went right to the heart of the problem with this young man. This young man, yes, was wealthy, but yet he was moral, you know. And as far as religion is concerned, I'm sure somewhat religious as far as his day and age. We think about Judaism, wealth, morality, religion. Yet Jesus said, one thing you lack. What is that? Of course, when Jesus put his finger on his riches, all the man turned away, sorrowful. So what was the one thing that was lacking? He trusted the wrong thing. He was trusting in his riches. Hence the statement made. You go on down to verse 24 and 25 there, and he talks about how it's just almost impossible for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Those who trust in riches. So what was the one thing? This young man didn't trust in God. He had, yes, wealth and morality, he had his religion, but he had not God. He did not have the Lord. One thing thou lackest. You know, the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 27, going directly to the opposite of what uh, we uh, mentioned there with this young man that he liked God. Here's somebody that had the Lord. And yet he said in the book of Psalms, Psalm chapter 27, he says, one thing have I desired. What did he want? Psalm 27 verse 4, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. David, what, what do you want? He said, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. Why, you know, because he had been in the past, many times in the very presence of the Lord. And my friend, as far as being satisfied, nothing was going to satisfy David like being close to God. He wanted to be close to God. One thing desired, he wanted to be close to the Lord. How about that? Is that a one thing in your life? Oh, I tell you what, one thing, yeah, I've trusted. I've trusted Jesus Christ to be my Savior. That's a big one thing there. But I need to get close to him. I need to stay close to him. One thing if I desire, dwell in the house of the Lord. Uh, he wanted to behold the beauty of the Lord. Uh, he wanted to inquire of God at, at the temple. Uh, he wanted to have this time where, where he and the Lord spent time together, just that closeness, that friendship that was there, the one thing that he desired. We think about the temple. The temple is not here today. We think about the temple in the days of, of the Jews under Judaism and the nation of Israel, God trying to speak to them and then to send them the Messiah, but they crucified their Messiah. Oh, the beautiful picture of this today would be the assembling of God's children together. You know, isn't it good to be together with God's children? I've had people call and uh, people just from time to time say, Brother Mon, it's, 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 I, I find it almost impossible to find a good Bible-believing church. They're there, my friend. And to meet together. And uh, I can be with God, yes. I can honor God in my life. I can have fellowship with God, just, just me and the Lord, but just to get together with the Lord's people, to be in the house of the Lord, to be there in the presence of God, where you have many people, their spirits are all together, want to honor, serve the Lord. We think about getting together in unity, and have the presence of the Lord to show up, all to be in the presence of the Lord. That's one thing, yes, that I, I too desire. One thing needful. In the book of Luke chapter 10, Jesus says that to a woman that was filled with work. 
Her name was Martha. She was filled with service. She, if ever there was a servant of the Lord, there was Martha. There came a time where, of course, Jesus spent a lot of time with these two, and of course, the brother that was there. And as far as uh, a roof over the head, and as far as some good food, there came a time where uh, Martha looked out, and of course, Jesus had come, and Mary was just sitting listening to Jesus. And Martha says, Lord, would you tell Mary to come in here and help me with this meal? Jesus said, Martha, Martha, thou art comfort about with much serving. And he says, listen, one thing is needful. What does he say? Martha, stop. Stop the breakfast. Stop the, the noon meal. Stop the evening. Stop and come sit at my feet. The one thing needful there was worship just to come spend some time with me. I'm glad you want to help me. I'm glad you want to provide for my physical need. But come and let me feed you. Martha, stop. Many of God's people are just busy running here and running there, and we do that. And by the time the evening is before us, we're just plumb exhausted. Not a time to stop and just worship. The book of John, John chapter 9, I like the statement made there. It's made about a man that was born blind. Jesus touched his eyes, and uh, now he could see. And the enemies of the Lord come to this man and said, they, they find out that this guy that was blind now he sees. And yet these religious people of the Lord's enemies and said, who did this? And the man said, I don't know. And he said, well, the man that did that is a sinner, you know. And he said, whether he's a sinner or no, this one thing I know, wherein I was blind. Now I see. What? One thing known. I was blind, but now I see. Can you, can you say that, my friend? I've had situations where I've had people almost looked at me and say something like this. I was never blind. Oh, then you couldn't. Could you not relate to amazing grace? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. A lot of people want to remove that wretch. Yeah, it's wretch. You were wretched, poor, blind. All right. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. This man said, whether he be a sinner or no, I don't know. I don't know anything about the life of this man. I just know this. I was blind, but now I can see. One thing lacking, trust in God. One thing desired, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. One thing needful, I need to worship. One thing known, I know I'm saved. I know the Savior. There was a time I was blind to the things of God, and now God's opened my eyes to spiritual truths. Once there was a time, maybe old, maybe in corrupt, and uh, we think about all the corrupt, evil religions of the world today and how people so blindly worship and serve under, my friend, lies and corruptness. And, and instead of serving a living Savior, they, you know, they're following a man who said, what's the problem? They're blind. They need to see. Isn't it good to have Christian sight? I like the one in Philippians chapter 3. We'll close with this one. Chapter 3 and verse 13, this is one thing to do. He says this, this one thing I do, the writer says in Philippians chapter 3 verse 13, he says, this one thing I do, 
You say, well, go ahead and say it. This one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. You know, that's important. Important to this man because of what my friend Satan could bring up before him. Have you ever thought why Paul said that? My friend, he was uh, he's a religious zealot. This man was so full of zeal as far as Christian people was concerned. Uh, he had them beat and imprisoned and killed. Can you imagine him maybe at night hearing the moans and groans of people who he had beat and killed, and those were God's people whom now he has become one. So he said, forgetting those things which are behind, this is very important, and without putting the past and leaving the past in the past, you'll never have victory. A lot of times people put the past, they bury it in the ground, they leave one little finger out so they can go look at it every once in a while. Some people take and... Uh, they, they speak highly of the past. In fact, even in some preaching circles, people spend about 45 minutes talking about how rotten they were and about five minutes talking about the grace of God. Oh, I want to forget it. I want to forget what I was. I want to forget my life as a commercial fisherman. Not forgetting the commercial fishing end of that part, but my mannerisms and my way of life and my morality. I was sorry and wicked, and I, I don't want to even think about it. I want to forget it. This one thing I do. One thing. This one thing. Sometimes there's one thing lacking. Trust in God. One thing desired. Ought to be in God's house. One thing needful. Worship. One thing known. I'm glad I see. Now one thing I do. With God's help, forget the past. Sometimes one little thing is so very, very important. Now until next week, the same time, this is Fisher Mund saying goodbye.